It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hello, Hockey World. It's Monday, May 9th, 2016. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Dan Petru. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I am Eklund, and you're watching the Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes to you every Monday through Friday around these times to fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world. And uh, we got a lot to talk about today. The first thing I want is Guy Boucher is giving his press conference right now or maybe earlier. We don't know, but I'm seeing it live now um, on TSN. It says it's live right now. Maybe that was taped. Um and as we're, as we're doing this, the U.S. is about to take on Finland in the World Championships, which is the big matchup of the possible yeah. first overall picks. What a, what a media-created low. It's crowd. so fake. My I goodness. Mean, I mean, my, my go- okay, Patrick Laine is having a wonderful World Championship right now. He's leading the World Championships, at least as, as of um, Sunday, at the end of no, Sunday. No, he's Ovechkin-like, Mike. That's what I heard yesterday. He's Ovechkin-like. Yeah, what's, he's got six points. No one cares. Austin Matthews is the number one pick. He will be selected by the Toronto Maple Leafs. Stop. Only because he's a center. Only because the Leafs need a center. That's what they said. Only because he's a center. This is a weird media creation. This really is. You're listening to the European reason. That's what you're listening to. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, European something weird if you think that line A is going to get... um, well, we're anxiously awaiting the ISS uh, top 30 uh, ranking that has Line A ranked like first and, and Matthews ranked seventh. Here's well, let's talk that we have. We if only we had a prospects expert on the show. Oh my goodness, we do. I just Russ. did put up my top 30 on on Sportsology. We did have a whole show about it. Shane and I argued about it yeah. this past weekend. I heard it. It but was really good. Online, isn't it, Russ? You can listen to that online, can't you? Yeah, uh, no, I haven't put it up there, but I probably will. I'll, Sorry, it's not available. I'm going to put it up there. But anyhow, here's the thing. When you're playing at the end of the season like this, if yeah. this is like the first time you're seeing these guys or the second time you're seeing these guys, you haven't seen them enough to sort of make a determination, hey, Line A's number one pick based on what you're seeing here. Guys get tired. Guys have had full seasons. It's not the best scouting opportunity. And it's the world championships. No offense, but these guys aren't playing – like everything's on the line. Yeah, and let me just let me just say this. Patrick Laine is playing with Alexander Barkov and and Leo Komarov on the number one line for Finland. Austin Matthews is playing with Jordan Schrader. That's all I have to say. I mean, I like Jordan Schrader. I don't want to kill well, him. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you're talking. I, what you're saying. I will say this. How about this? Watching that game against Belarus, and Matthews had two goals against Belarus too. It's mm-hmm. like watching Forsberg against Japan. Like they're not even in opposition. No, I do agree with that. I just, think, I just think this is something with you got a bored Canadian media. They got no teams to cover right now because all of them are outside the playoffs. They got a bunch of Canadian teams drafting in the top ten, and they got to stir something up. And here's another thing too: if Matthews are from Mississauga, this would not be a question. It, it right. wouldn't be. Well, which is crap. Oh my God! Oh my God! Patrick Liney may be better than Austin. I mean, real, really? I mean, come on! It's 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 a joke. Austin it just gives the Leafs fans something to worry about. That's what oh, I like about it. <laughs> that's what it seems like. You're right. That's exactly what it seems that's like. Exactly what it's like. Like, oh my God, we got the first pick. They had one week, count it, one week of happiness, thinking that they were just going to get Austin Matthews. That was going to be all they'd have to think about. They have a good summer. They go up to their cottages. They'd enjoy their lives. But now that's not happening. We've Actually, got to worry about that we're making a mistake here. Actually, no, that's not the it's it's the fact that you know right now there's no story because the Leafs have number one. If the Leafs had number right. two, it's like okay, was there a chance they're gonna go to Matthews? Right. Oh, I saw somebody, I saw somebody tweet out the other day. I wish we had number two, so I knew we weren't making the mistake. I saw that the other day. <laughs> Wait, then watch PRV be better than both of them. Right, right, right. Who knows? I mean, so that is possible. But the idea is for someone to make a moronic tweet like that is just 
stupid. It's like guys. It's no. This is this is the this is the product of a organization that tells you to expect pain. This is what's happening. This this oh, is this, this is at the end of the day. This no, is no, what you get. You get a messed up. This is like a dysfunctional no. family, and this is a dysfunctional Here. kid who's saying, "I That's wish we didn't have the first pick because I don't want to screw it up." I'll tell you this. I met Mark Hunter. He'll talk prospects all day long. I met him last year at the Combine briefly, but that was more of an interview. This was more like getting introduced. This guy will talk prospects all evening long. They don't expect pain when they're picking prospects. That's not what they're talking about. They're very confident about that part. They were talking about pain going into an atrocity of a season when they know that they had the worst lineup. I, I mean, I know. We've been down that road, but there is something that happens, though. There is, there is a byproduct. No. Of, it, of, reminds, it reminds me of when uh, all of a sudden towards the, the draft, Duchesne and Tavares suddenly became neck and neck, and there right. was this camp that Duchesne should go number one, even though it was, once again, it was it was never going to happen. It was never neck and neck. And I, and I, and I, said, I know that, but the media led you to believe that for a while. And all, right. and all, of, a sudden, all, of, all of a sudden, after being the presumptive number one pick from you know June 25th of last year <laughs> till March... All of a sudden, oh my God, Patrick Laine, he's catching up to Austin Matthews. I mean, it's baloney. It's crap. You know, Austin Matthews is the number one pick. Patrick Laine could be an NHL all-star. I, I think he's an impressive young player. I think Pugliarvi is impressive as well. I think he's as, he may be as skilled as the other two. I think Matthew Kachuk is going to be a great NHL player. I think this is a very good draft. It mm -hmm. doesn't mean that all of a sudden Patrick Laine, because the Maple Leafs head of scouting is from Finland, does that mean that Patrick Ooh, Lyon the is thicken. the number one pick? Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, bum, bum, bum. Lippity doodah. Yeah. I'll okay. tell you what. If Line A is picked first, that number two team will be the happiest team in the last ten right. years. Right, there is no except, – Except Austin Matthews. He'd have to go play in Winnipeg. doesn't matter. They'll Winnipeg would be clicking their heels. Yes. I know. I'm joking. I'm making fun of the city. I mean, there is no way that's going to happen, and we know that Austin Matthews is going to be. But it's just, it's just, it is just one of those things because you know we have seen history shows us that if you have two guys, and even if they're evenly matched, the North American will tend to have the advantage. This case, where Austin Matthews is probably a better player anyway, he's going to have the advantage. This is but, just a. This is just the case of the Toronto media not wanting to write about the under 500 Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, maybe. But it, 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 it's, it's also, though, that they love, I mean, the Toronto media, all right, this is the, the, their dirty little secret about all these things, Sportsnet, TSN, and all that stuff, is they're all in Toronto, right? And they all hate the Maple Leafs. And I, because I've, I've been in these, I've been around them, they all talk. They own the Maple Leafs. No, they hate the Maple Leafs. I mean, the, the, the people who are reporting on them can't stand, because they're inundated with Maple Leaf stuff. And they are, and they're 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 national guys, and they don't want to just be Maple Leaf guys. So there's a deep seated psychological thing about this. They do not like oh. the Maple Leafs just because they don't want to like the Maple Leafs, and they don't, and the fans themselves, and they're and they're and they go around, you know, and all they hear are questions. Oh, what's going on? You know, they they, they live in a city that is Toronto. They have Maple Leaf fans everywhere, so. And you know I think it's like it's, fr it's frustration and resentment. They wish I think I think Eck has something. They, there's definitely the national media wants to do more than just talking about you know William Nylander and guys like that when there's sure. bigger stories. But because of where they are and the market and the size of the market being in Toronto, they have to go chase some some Maple Leaf ambulances when there's better stories right around the corner. <laughs> they, that's right. You're exactly. Yeah, that's exactly. It. And they also don't. They don't want to. They they really want to be considered national people, and mm -hmm. even though like I, and there is a natural thing too, like and I feel this myself, and I I mean because I'm in Philadelphia, there's this, whenever I talk about the Flyers, or whatever I I do feel like I have to not talk about the Flyers, like I really try not to talk about the Flyers until the until they become really newsworthy, I because I don't want to be told because I'm a national reporter, I don't want to be told that I'm Philadelphia centric, even though I live in Philadelphia, I go to the, I'm credentialed in Philadelphia, it's a tricky thing, and they're credentialed in Toronto, so they're going to these games too, so it's it's tricky. Far, far be it from me to complain, but excuse me, when, when one-third, I think it is, I mean, my numbers may be off a little bit, but when one-third of the population of the country of Canada is in the GTA, when I think it's about 10 million people... And Which is Canada's the greater Toronto area, for those of you, not the... Grand, I was thinking Grand Theft Auto, I'm like, what? Not Grand Theft Auto, no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You have to cater to that market, and so if, you, if, if you're right. working for one of those networks and you don't like it, then go work in Regina. Well, here's the thing. Why don't they talk about donuts more? There's more donut shops in Toronto than any city in North America. Yeah. I, like donuts. I like donuts. We should take a field trip. Oh, man, there's a place near us. My daughter, not to get on the donut tangent. Sorry. 
That's is your alarm going off again? That's my alarm that says don't talk about donuts. Alarm. Yeah, yeah. That, that sounds alarm. about right. That's exactly right. The 115 alarm goes off at 125. No, I, I hit the snooze button on the 115 alarm. I screwed up. That's what happened. Um, <laughs> okay, let's yeah. talk about the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. All right, let's get into the playoffs. And, of course, we've got to start with the one team that has no is no longer in the playoffs. Um, no, we don't. No, we don't have to start. Okay, yeah, we're we, starting with that. Yes, we, no, don't. we don't have to start Who there. made you producer, Russ? <laughs> That's right. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Let's let's not start there. Let's go. Let's let's talk about Washington Pittsburgh first, okay? Because I really this is kind of what I wanted to talk about anyway. Um, no, 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 no. No, Washington's still alive, or as I say in Washington, Washington is still alive in South Jersey. We call it Washington. Um, Washington is still alive, and very much so actually. That they actually came out and they played a good old. Style caps game, um, and that has to put a little bit of doubt into the Penguins, and so much to the point now that we have a little bit of a goalie controversy going on in Pittsburgh. Finally, well, there's no yeah. Murray's in. Murray's, yeah, Murray's in. in. And, and the thing is, I mean, it's not. I mean, Game Five can be knocked down to this. Braden Holpe was incredible. He was, and that's what they needed. They needed him to steal a game yeah. to get everything to try and level the ship and get things back on track, and he did that. But Trotz got faster, too. They put Schmidt in. They took out Weber. I mean, he did make some changes. There's a huge change they made in practice today, but I want to let it finish first. Yeah. Um, no, I, I really felt like this was a series we wanted to see, right? This 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 game, to me, was the Caps doing their thing and the Penguins doing their thing. It was maybe the best game of the series. In some ways, it was not as exciting as, as the other games because the Penguins won, you know, won a run and gun more. But I felt like the Capitals... I thought this was a huge win for the Capitals. Not just, I mean, even if they lose the series, they just could not be beaten in, f- in five games. You know, this, it, it could not, I mean, if they lose in six or seven games and the Penguins go on and roll from here, which they might, then then the Caps aren't going to be able to sit there and say, oh, man, you know, we just uh, haven't been. I, I, I mean, I'm going to say it, but there's Because gonna, no one likes losing in five games. No, but right. losing in five games is really, <laughs> is really lame, right? And, and, and especially if you're the President's Trophy winner in five games. I'm saying that's like, you cannot yeah. be the president's trophy winner and get eliminated in five games. That's, I mean, this well, team didn't lose four games for three and a half round. months in the regular season. They lost four games in two weeks here. To, you know, that's just not going to happen. President's trophy doesn't mean anything anymore. They're out of the first round. But there's a line now, an all-Russian line that the uh, that the Caps have. It's Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, and Oshoff. And I think that's going to be a good line. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah. Well, hey, hey, he had his greatest career note in Sochi, so there you go. Yeah. Um, but yeah. No, I mean, well, Oshi played played a really good game in Game Five. Ovechkin played well. I mean, I think it was more the fact that you know you cannot depend if you're the Caps, you cannot depend on Holpi to do everything for you, and he did right. almost everything for them in Game Five. They have to be able to win if Holpi is having an average night, yeah. and. And, and and that's the thing. It's like they have to step up their play. You've got to get more production out of Kuznetsov. You have to get more, uh, you know, more work out of uh, guy, you know, the secondary guys like Beagle and Chimera and Justin Williams. You need those guys to produce. Otherwise, it's if, if they shut down Ovechkin and they shut down Oshi, they've shut down the Caps. And that's I mean, the reason they have more why depth. The Caps have more depth. They've yeah. been able to juggle a little. The Penguins have no depth. That's the one I think, thing. Uh, I think the Caps top six is better, but I think the Penguins bottom six is deeper. No, but their bench, players that they can bring into the lineup. The Caps have guys they can put into the lineup. Like Michael Lotta hasn't played, but he has playoff experience. Schmidt he should be playing. Huh? He should be playing over guys like Richards. Well, I, you know, he should be in my mind, but he's not going to. But, <laughs> but I'm just saying they have guys they can bring in and have brought in and have playoff experience. Pittsburgh doesn't have that. Now the one thing I the one thing I said one second. I'm we have such an evil fan base of people who are in hockey that follow this show. And I just got a text that said, "Tell Mike that Line A and Matthews just collided knee on knee at center ice, and both are being taken off in stretchers." And it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> That's That's funny. Funny. First overall pick from the University of Connecticut, Tage Thompson. Yeah, and, and, Sorry, I'm just I just, I had to throw that. It just wouldn't it's, matter. And the same the same the same ambulance crew that dumped Mike Modano. Uh, when he was on the stretcher, is handling Austin Matthews right now. Um, anyway, sorry. Continue. I just that was to, funny. I yeah, know. I know. Props to that person. On, you know, that was funny. I'll tell you guys who it was later. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Continue. Thanks, Mr. Trump. Um, no. 
No, uh, I know that totally, totally threw us off the rails. I apologize. Um, we're talking about Washington and Pittsburgh. That was a cannonball act. You just that really was. I know everyone's now. Everyone's running to their TVs to see if it actually happened. I know it did not happen. Um, I've got the t- I've got the game on over there, so it's not everybody's. No, no, Matthew, you have, the, you have the Shawinigan game on, like I do. No, I have the uh, I have the, <laughs> the Finland USA game, but both uh, are on TSN. The TSN two. I'm DVR on that one. I'm watching Shawinigan because. They're really playing for a championship. Yeah, un- unfortunately, unfortunately, the person who's five miles away from the Canadian border can't get TSN. It's 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 uh it's geo blocked for me. There's ways around that. Well, they'll, uh, I'm, it's I'm, amateur I'm, move, Mikey. There's that's just, completely yeah. amateur. Do you have YouTube? Yes, I do. Okay, then you can get around it fairly easily. The one interesting thing about and and obviously things can change before Game Six tomorrow night, but. I did not see any notification about Orpic at practice. And Orpic, no, I, haven't, I haven't heard anything either. His suspension is up. He, he's he's eligible to play for Game 6, but we know that his lack of mobility uh, has been a hindrance to him. And if they're, if they're feeling comfortable using, uh, using Schmidt and Taylor Chorney instead of, of putting in Orpic, that you know, then maybe maybe Barry Trotz has made a decision just to go without the veteran guy. But it's also if if they do that, you know, he's making over five million bucks. He's it doesn't he's, matter. That's the Capitals' know. fault, not not Barry Trotz. Yeah, right. yeah that's but true. I'm saying, he you know, this is a guy who's under contract for another three three or four years. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah, it's, it's a bad deal. It's a bad it's deal. Bad. But I will but say this. I don't think he plays in Game Six. If it turns into a Game Seven, then I think Orpic will play because then I think that the style of play will change again. Teams will be more cautious, but he's not going to play in a running gun game like this. I don't think I wouldn't play him. Yeah, he'll be he'll be a penalty killer in Game Seven. They'll have him on the bottom pairing and, and penalty killing. So well, now I now I, I think that the Leafs should now trade their first pick because the the Finland has scored a goal. Um and um. Is it line A? No, it's not. It's 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 Miko Koivu, who I think would help them a lot. Um, <laughs> He's gonna get drafted all over again. And because, because Koivu scored and Matthews was on the bench, Line A is clearly better. It was from Granlin, and I believe Line A, but I'm not sure. I didn't, I just saw the goal. Trade, trade Secondary the assists are important. Trade the first pick for a 32 year old center who's overpaid. Thank you. And Granlin, who um, we've all been there before. So let's um, let's move on to the other series. Uh, let's go to the Predators and. Ducks. I mean, sharks. <laughs> Predators and ducks. That was wow. a while ago. <laughs> Bruce Boudreau uh, wishes you could do that. I know, and then we got to talk about that too. So the Predators, Predators and Sharks. This is um, this series is is basically going exactly as I think many of us thought it would what? go right now. Like if this game, if this series ends in six, I wouldn't be surprised. Although I I could see the Predators taking this to seven. Well, I mean, and Russ and I talked about this on the weekend. You you had the shark the sharks are up two nothing going to, going to Nashville basically all they have to do is win one game and they I don't say they're not saying they laid down but they became the sharks they just you know they, there was no oomph there was no impetus there was no desperation yeah I, I, I think you're discounting Nashville I think you're dis, you're disrespecting Nashville I'll tell you what the series is like it's like when you play Mortal Kombat and you're playing Liu Kang and the computer plays Liu Kang. That's what this series is. I'm telling you. I like that. Is it, is it bad that I clearly understand that? that that's a great analogy. I don't. So the, the, no, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not dissing. I'm not dissing Nashville. I'm just saying that. I mean, if you look at the effort that that the Sharks have put in in games one, two, and five, where they were clearly the better team. Games yeah. three and four, they they you know they, they didn't mail it in. It's a playoff game, but they just they didn't play up to that level. And you know what? Just uh, just as an observation, without Mike Ribeiro in the lineup, two and zero. Oh. With Mike Ribeiro in the lineup, zero oh and three. Why mm-hmm. change a lineup that's winning and put in Mike Ribeiro in game five? I don't understand. Especially I mean, when he let Colt and Carrie Underwood because he's the one who's got every Nashville fan excited about. Nashville more so than the actual fans. No, I'm kidding. I think it's a good series. I think Nashville has played pretty well, and yeah. I'm still not thrilled with Renee's play, though. I think. Well, remember, I mean, this is a this was a third overtime goal away from being a three nothing series. So it's 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 not. And, and Rene was fantastic in that game. In that game, but he wasn't great last game. I agree. That's really are the matchups? Are, are the are the home road matchups that big in this game? Or when when Nashville's in Nashville, they can really set the matchups with Weber and and Yossi? Is it that big of a deal? It probably um, is. It probably think, is. 
you, you got to give Lavi. Lavi lets really good at that um, kind of stuff. Yeah, so there, there is definitely, an, I mean, an advantage. Not, you know, like a, not, you know, I don't know if it's a full goal advantage, but it's something. There is a definite advantage there, and and you could argue that definitely on game, in game three, the triple overtime game, it helped a lot. I would say. I would say it's two nothing Finland now. Again, Lani has not scored. Um, why are you giving us the score on DVR? Which, which shows you how okay, unselfish. Okay, I will not say anything else then. It shows you how unselfish Liney is and how he really is a 200 foot player and should be. Yeah, and this time he's 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 decided, he was so unselfish he was sitting on the bench. He's not. letting his teammates score even yes, when he's, he's on the bench. Yep, he's not an attention hog. He he's a team player, good in the locker room, intangibles that are unquantifiable. I'm, Definitely I'm, better. Maybe I'm old school, but I still I still consider the World Championships as a as a virtually meaningless tournament. It's become more meaningful in the last few years because young players are playing in it. But I still I still go back to this is a this is the the tournament where the first round eliminated players are hey. playing, and they and they and they you know. I know it has more more mm-hmm. interest in Europe to European players. I think the Canadians and the Americans go over there for the vacation after a long season. Mike, well, when you're an Islanders fan, that's the only time you could see Islanders players play in the spring for a long <laughs> right, time. Right. So I was always a oh, big fan. Come on, let's talk about this. Uh, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Wait a sec. I think that I do think this is a little bit blown up now because the TSN has the contract for this in Canada, and they had they didn't have hockey all year, so they're making a big deal of this, and all the TSN thing is going on. I think that also helps. I, I think it's a fun tournament. It's an interesting tournament because you it's do get a, chance to see, you get a chance to see these potential prospects against NHL players, which is a good, which is kind of good. And then you also get a chance in this case, you get a look. You definitely have guys who are auditioning for the World Cup of Hockey out there too. So sure. that's going on. So. You know that that is also interesting. So I, I like it. I, I, it's you know, I mean, Canada should playing against Belarus and you know where the Kostisian brothers are still the best players on that team. That that's that's not fair, you know, in general. <laughs> yeah, but if if, if, if Mikhail Grabowski was there with them, that they would be fighting the Kostits. He'd be fighting the Kostitsans. It'd be an internal Belarus fight. Yeah, but even then, you know, I mean, are they, that's not going to match up against. A, bands, but, you know, a team with McDavid on it. So I mean, it would be like us playing basketball against the 76ers. It wouldn't be fair to the 76ers. That's right. That's yeah, right. I got, a, I got a good low post game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can move the ball around the key. But um, all right, so let's go to <sighs> let's go to St. Louis and Chicago. Oh come on! <laughs> I'm ready. I'm like know, mentally I'm prepared. I'm living two weeks ago. I'm living two weeks ago. Let's go to St. Louis, Dallas. Thank you. Um, this series, I ah. this series is holding. I you don't want to talk about the Islanders. I'm saying wait. No, I'm ready. I got I got props. I'm trying. To, okay, all right. Let's go to the Islanders. I'm trying to keep. I'm trying to give you a break here. All right, let's no, go. Let's get it over with. No, you're just delay. You're like slowly pulling the bandaid off of the scab. That's what you're doing. Bury the, don't bury the lead. All right, no, we're not gonna bury. The, before we start though, the Islanders Tampa. I just want to do. I do want to welcome Islanders beat writer to our hockeybuzz.com. Who um you know we I talked to over the weekend and worked out something. He's gonna help us. Tampa. Um, help us, Eric Erlinson. You definitely it's follow him. Tampa. 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 So wrong with me. I'm so sorry, guys. I am. Like, <laughs> Can we go back to 115. Yeah. You know what? I am really. I am so sorry. All right. <laughs> it's okay. Just take two. Let's go. You got it. All right. We would love to welcome beat writer from the from the Tampa Bay Lightning, well, Eric Erlinson. Formerly of the Tampa Tribune. Formerly of the Tampa Tribune. Currently of HockeyBuzz.com, Eric Erlinson. Who um who joined us over the weekend, which is awesome. I had some had some talks with him going into that, and uh, I just can't respect the guy enough. We know that Ty Anderson has already been covering Tampa, but he was fired. I fired him quicker than you could say Jack Robinson. Now he's still he's still helping and covering the Tampa Lightning as well. So the two of them are going to be working, which is which is really merited because Tampa has a lot going on right now. They've obviously they're obviously going to the conference finals, and beyond that, there's a little Steven Stamkos issue to deal with. Eric's going to help us cover that throughout to um till the middle of July, so that'll be great, and we'll have a good we should have a good grasp on the Stamkos situation. So definitely stay tuned, and and we're also going to have Eric on this very show in the near future, cool, and um as well as the Cranky Hockey Raiders, where I told him he's officially able to go on the Cranky Hockey Raiders now because of what happened to him. He's officially now a jaded Cranky yeah, old hockey. Raider. So he will be um, but yeah, the the Tribune handled that very very poorly, and um yeah, but he's around. So let's let's jump into the Islanders series now, the Islanders uh Tampa series. Last night was a was a t- yesterday was a tough game. Obviously, what are your thoughts, Dan? All right, okay. Let's. Uh, I need a little music to get going here. <laughs> I, 
Now, should I talk like the guy with the, the deep bass in the green? You know, baby, I'm sorry, Islanders fans. Okay, all right. Uh, time, I, I, I couldn't help it. I needed, I needed something. I, I was going to use that for the podcast tomorrow. Now I got to think of another sad, depressing song. <laughs> I, I got playing to choose from. Uh, you know, it's it's an interesting uh, uh, games three and four were, were coin flip games, and uh, and they they both went Tampa's way, and Tampa showed that they're a little deeper up front and a little more experienced and. You just see the difference of development between their young players and the Islanders' young players, where guys like Kucherov and Kalorn and Palat and Johnson have just taken off and they're skyrocketing. You got guys like Strom and Nelson that that have just hit walls, and you you don't know what you really have to examine them in the off season. But I mean, that's a question for another time. What do you do with these kids? Do you, you know what's their future? Is is this what they are at this point? Um, it was a good season for the Islanders. Uh, you won a round in the playoffs. I think that's a that's a great thing. You got yeah. to the second round. There's only eight teams left. Uh, that's that's great. Uh, with that being said, you think you want something a little better against a team without Stamkos and their number two defenseman. Um, but it's also a reflection of how much work there still is to be done. And with with everything going on in Brooklyn right now, with the guys' contracts up, this is probably Gart Snow's most important offseason ever. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah very well said, and I want I want to add to that. I think that in a way, especially with all those contracts coming up, um, it would have been a problem if this team had gone into like the conference finals. I know that's that's a real glasses half full type thing, but you 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 wouldn't get a perspective on how good this team really is because of because of their path there. You know, like this is I mean they are they, Florida's a good team. Florida could have very easily won the series. Sure, um, Tampa Tampa. You know, this series could have gone either way. But I honestly feel like the Islanders are not a conference finalist yet. Like and I no. think when you look at it, you ask, you tell yourself they're not, they're just not there yet, and that's okay because they're they're progressing forward, which is good. But well, if you, we've seen sometimes you go too far, then you the, some of the guys you have to bring back because you've went far. And I think that in a way the Islanders went as far as they they needed to 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 have to have hope for the future, and to have to have real sense of things. I think it's, I thought it was a real successful playoffs for them. That's my opinion. It was success, successful playoffs, but the problem was like I saw things in that game that I didn't like. Well, the first thing is look. We all know Tampa's depth just eventually killed the Islanders. You could play the grittiest game you want, the toughest right. game you want, but, but talent won out there. So that wasn't surprising. I thought maybe the Islanders – I picked in six because I thought maybe they'd squeak out another. But here's the two things. I mean, we learned that Grice can be a number one goalie if the defense is right. Their defense isn't right yet. You have Pulak in the hole next year. It'll be better. But the problem is, like, when they were down a goal, you have Alan Quine on the, light, on the line – Matching up against Brian Boyle, that was a huge mismatch. Boyle just totally took advantage of him. You know, it's like, again, we're Who here. Who are putting out there? I mean, I don't know. I don't know what other – I mean, I would have rolled another and that's, that's a And that's a reflection of the roster that was put together by Gart Snow. Yeah, because it's not if you a good if you got to resort to guys like Al, if if you're like looking, okay, let's try Alan Quine with John Tavares. Let's try Shane Prince with John Tavares. That's a problem. But both of those guys in the first round looked really good with John Tavares. And I, and I think they're good depth role players, but the Islanders need more stars in their top six. They well, need a, they need someone that is comparable to John Tavares, not someone that John Tavares can make better. They need yeah. someone that's on his playing field because yeah. you know people are like, oh well, John Tavares didn't have a great series. He no. put the puck on the guy on the guy's stick four or five times in games three and four that probably well, should have ended up in the back of the net. Well, the point was made, and and I, you know, you were talking during the na- about the net when we were talking about Nashville and San Jose about Nashville matching up their defense. I mean, John yeah. Cooper decided to match up Hedman against Tavares yep. for as much as he could, and it shows you what a difficult situation Tampa is going to be in next year if he goes to UFA because that no, they guy, can't let that happen. That guy okay. is going to make seven, seven and a half million dollars in free agency if, if, if easily, but he's a, he's a he's a top pairing. 30 a minute, 30 a minute, or 30 a game guy, and he got, he neutralized Tavares, but he severely limited him. He well, stepped up. He stepped he up as the series went on. His offense. And they didn't up. have to respect anyone else in the line, so they could but, absolutely focus on him. Yeah. Right. No, and, but, and that's and that's that I think is a concern for for the Islanders going forward. I mean, Tavares is one of the top, I'd say, three or four centers in the league. You know, you, you're lucky to have a, a guy like that. You have. The top two, top three defensemen who are really excellent in Boychuk, Letty, and Hamannick. But Hamannick's situation, he wants out. I think and he, he had a bad game. He lost it with that penalty. He really lost he, it. Honestly, he wasn't. The top four defensemen were not great the entire postseason. No, they but, but, the best I, two defensemen on the Islanders were Pollock and Hickey. 
Yeah, yeah, and I think and I think you know you have Pollock coming in next year. Looking forward, I mean, you have to move Hamannick. He, I, I think that this situation's got to be resolved in the summer. If you if you're looking for a winger for John Tavares, and you know maybe you go after go to Edmonton and you get Jeff, uh, get uh, Jordan Everly in a Travis Hamannick deal. You you have to make decisions on whether you're going to re-sign Opozo. I don't think they're, they're not re-signing. Re-signing. He's not coming back. Uh, do you think that those re-sign Franz Nielsen? I think that maybe. that makes maybe. sense. I and think they will. They will. It depends on the number. It depends on the number, basically. He's 32. It doesn't depend on the number anymore, I don't think, because they have new ownership. Let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that. It, it, it depends on the term. I don't think they give a 32-year-old a five-year deal. But it's time It's time yeah. that you start moving up those young guys in the pipeline. Move in Dal Cole if you think he's ready. Move in he's not. He's ready. The problem is if you do that, Mike, if you do that, once again, you're playing the if game. If Barzell is good, if Dal Cole is good, they well, need no, no, guys Barzell's with proven. I know that we think that we th- we also uh, thought that Nelson and Strom were going to be good players by now. They need to stop taking the if out of the equation. They need to acquire some guys that you can write down thirty goals for. I agree, and you have to trade some young assets to do it. And I would do that this summer. There's no question about it. Because losing, look, losing Ocposo is going to hurt. They're, yeah. they're going to trade his rights for like a fourth or fifth or a sixth round pick at the draft, and that's going to hurt. Now they it won't hurt if you replace him with somebody, right? But you, yeah. and they're gonna look. I think with new ownership, they're gonna spend money, and I think they I do have to get a forward for Hamannik. I think that's the way it has to go. They have depth defensively, the offensive players until they're ready. You've got to get that forward. So I think that that's a part of it. But then we do have to say, even though he got over the hump, did Capuano coach a great series? I don't think he did. Here's something I would have done with Tavares, and I know it sounds easy for me to say. Remember what Yarmir Yager used to do? He used to sort of hide on the bench and would just go out on the ice yep. at times where you didn't know where he'd be. That's yep. what I would have done to Tampa. So Tampa couldn't have matched up against them when right. they were on the road. I'm with That's you. fair. That would have been, that would have been smart. I thought about that a couple of times. It was getting predictable. Like you, it was. You knew. You knew. Give him a shift on the fourth line. Give him a shift right. on the third yeah. line. Give him a shift on the second line. Yeah. You're watching it. And, you, you know, Tavares is one of those players you wait to come out the next You're waiting for his next shift all the time. And you're watching the game. You're watching the game. You're watching the game and you could pretty much predict his next shift. You're like, oh, he's, he's going to be out now. And he was. He was out every time you thought about it. Other, other than the free agent signings of, of Kuhlman and Grabowski, Garth Snow has just taken this patient approach regarding, you know, the organization. He's just he's uh, you know, he traded for Boychuk and Letty, but he had you know, he had teams that were in, in in awkward cap positions. Traded for Halak too. He, he's yeah. he got he's got to go out there now, and you know if if you can get a, an established player for a Ryan Strom who is at the end of his entry level deal, who's had I think one good year and one subpar year. And subpar is being very generous. Yeah, you have you have to do it, and I think there are teams out there that maybe still believe that Ryan Strom can be a good player, and maybe they're looking to shed salary. And this team has cap room. They have, and they have the ownership situation uh, changing over from Wong to the other owners. So I mean, this is the time for Garth Snow if he's tr- you know going to be the guy, if he's the one who's going to lead this team going forward to make some moves to make them get to that next level. I did talk to somebody at the at the at the during um the trade deadline who told me that he expected that you know it was possible that Strom could be moved at the draft and that there were people that were def- talk, definitely talking to him and it could be a part of an Akposo trade actually or uh, you know part of the rights for Akposo type thing right. um, where he would go with them and uh, and one person speculated as far now this is of course the general management has changed there anything like that but that you know that why wouldn't Phoenix try to bring the Strom brothers together, you know, that they would make that. I would do that, and maybe maybe you have to get an RFA back, right? Like Hansel's an RFA, right? Maybe that's that's who you got to go. I mean, but he could play. I mean, Dan, he could play. Too soon to trade Ryan Strom to me, though. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. No, I think I, I think you're trading one of Nelson or Strom if it can make you better right now. If you have to put him in a package to get a, a, a bona fide player that you can put in your top six and feel comfortable with, I don't think you're giving them away for nothing. Right. No, but no, I, I would, think that's fair to say. I would keep Nelson. He's got size. He Nelson was yeah, never going to. He doesn't use it. He doesn't. He's he, God. The, Noel Fogelman had a great tweet yesterday. He said the most contact Brock Nelson made all season was in the handshake line. I saw that. I saw that. That was awesome. <laughs> and you know what? I mean, 
you have not to, every big guy's physical, but they take up no, space. No, you, you have you, you have, can fight in the corners. You got guys like Alan Quine and Shane Prince fighting for their lives in their corner. Go in there with that six three frame and try and win a puck. You don't have to put someone on their ass. This was a yeah, and I think that's the positive of this whole thing is is that you know you look at Quine you know and you look at Prince and these guys these guys definitely you know rose above their level sort of to a degree in the this beginning they lot. and they and they learned and they and they went through it they went through a playoff series and like you know we talked about the Flyers making the playoffs you know there's sometimes a benefit to making the playoffs in that if you have a lot of young players in that they almost get an extra season under their belts it's like they've it's right. like now he's played another year altogether because the playoffs have so much there's so much emotion involved in it it almost gives you a feeling like you played another year like if you just come back and play next year having not gone to the playoffs you're definitely in your second year but if you go to the playoffs you really feel like you're in your like two and a half almost three years but Dan, also the the factor the factor the fact is is that this was a lost year for Anders Lee after scoring twenty plus goals. I mean, they think they need to get him. Yes and no. I you his him not being there showed a glaring need for more of a net presence. While while the points didn't always go in, he was the only one that they could get in front of the net and cause havoc for a goalie. There were many times this year where the puck didn't hit him, but his screen caused the goal directly. And yeah. so while his while he didn't have twenty four goals, he still finished in double digits. I think that's going to happen with a guy like that. Some years he's it's, the puck's going to hit his butt and go in, and some years it's going to miss him, but he's screening the goalie and he's doing the hard work and the puck's still going to go in. They but definitely I, missed him when he wasn't there. But I think yeah. it's safe to say that it would be a mistake for the Islanders in their current construction to stand pat. I think. Oh, they, they can't. It's impossible. They, they cannot stand pat. Alright, let's talk a little bit about Bruce Boudreaux and... Um... And, and Do you want to quickly touch on St. Louis Dallas just to finish up? Yeah, um, yeah, they've got another game coming up tonight. Um, right. Yeah, just <laughs> Sagan's not playing either. No, no, no. no let, who's not? No, what's that? What's that now? Sagan's Tyler not Sagan's not playing. Yeah, I mean, not playing, honestly, yeah. honestly, St. Louis should wrap up this series tonight yeah. based on the way they should. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I give I give Dallas credit for winning that game four and showing some yeah. test fortitude, but in game five. They were outclassed again, and, though, and, and like I said before, you know, it, it. I mean, now this is an elimination game, and there's definitely something when elimination games is, is different than when you get blown out, you know, and you come back. Now you're going to be now the team smells blood. Now the Blues should right. smell blood tonight. They should be able to keep motivated despite the fact that they won that last game relatively easily. They should be able to go out and do this, especially when you see Tampa going for it. Like I talked to somebody the other last last night about this, a player, and he was like, "Yeah, you know, seeing Tampa shake hands on that line going to the conference finals, that makes you really hungry." He's like, "That's like you're like, oh man, they're they're going. I know guys on that team now that are in the conference finals. I want to be right. in the conference finals." You know, there's there's a definite thing. Like, this is where it's going to, and um, I I I can't imagine, you know, St. Louis not coming out tonight and taking it to them. If they don't take it to them tonight, then I will have questions on St. Louis in the next round because I think that that's when you have to tonight. Tonight determines a lot. Like if San Jose comes out tonight flat against Nashville again on the road um, or you know for whatever you want to say about La Violette you know if they come out flat again then you have to wonder a little bit about San Jose and and you know can are they this, this these remember these players on these teams haven't been to third rounds they haven't played this long into the playoffs before and there's an issue as the playoffs go on it becomes a different game it becomes a different mental challenge it becomes a physical challenge in different ways and you really have to find another step that is why Tampa Looks so good in my opinion because Tampa has been through this before, They've and that there. yeah, and that showed a lot. You can see that that Tampa has they know what it takes to go. This this is only the second round for Tampa. They're like yeah, we got two more rounds though because they've been last year they were in four rounds of the playoffs. And the and so. the most impressed the most impressive thing about Tampa is the fact that you know again without Stamkos and without Strowman that other guys have. St I mean Kucherov is an assassin. He mm -hmm. is. They're so well coached, Tampa. Um, That's all I can say. Tampa. Well, he, seriously, Kucherov might have one of the top ten releases in the game. His shot's insane. Yeah. The combination of speed. He gets his nose dirty too. He really does. He's he always he's always where the puck is. He's just a special player. I really like Slater Cuckoo. I think he's going to be a good player. I'm not he's sure gonna he's not going to be a star or anything. I think he's going to be a good defenseman in this league. Yes. Yeah, no, I agree. I can't, I can't help but think of the Lego Movie when I hear his name. But yeah, I there's um. Oh, I gotta watch that. It just came out on HBO. You told me I need to watch that movie. Dude, I want to hear you after you. I want, I want to talk to you after. All right, I'll, I'll watch a, it tomorrow. Give me a call after you watch it. Okay. I want to say Patrick. Yeah, Lani, Patrick Lani really is Patrick Lani is definitely better than Austin Matthews. Watching this game, I am convinced. Um, now I'm only watching it while doing something else, of course. But um, and I'm I'm only I'm only watching him play. Live for the first time. Just kidding, but like you see why people are like overreacting. But you can see why where he is right now. He is definitely playing with confidence. He's got, he's got, a, he's got it going on. He does have that. He does 
plant himself in that Ovechkin spot on the power play, and that's his that's his thing. He scored a goal yesterday that way. He just almost scored on today. How many hits are being laid in that game? How much great defense is being played in that in that game? Come on, it. Yeah, I know they're talking to Patrick Liner right now. Um, they're interviewing. Here's, so, so here's what we're saying. He's like saying, "Yeah, I would, I would, I would, I would play. I would play for the Maple Leafs." I, would. I heard he um, speaks better English than Austin Matthews too. Yeah, I, I, I think that I'm a, I'm, you know, I look a lot more like Matt Sundin than Austin Matthews does. Um, yeah, look at my hair. Yeah, Patrick Liney doesn't talk with a 15 second delay. My oh, beautiful, like, how do you feel, Mike, Mike? How do you feel about Patrick Liney's hair? My beautiful flowing locks. Yep. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's an attractive man. Yes. Right? Um, he's 18. Like the host, I'll admit that. He's 18, yeah. Um, he's a child. He's a child. I know, but I've got a niece who like watches the show all the time, and she's she's 16 or she's 20. I mean, so she could do this. I mean, not not like that, but. <laughs> all right, where were we? We were talking about um, we were talking about the Predators, and you no, know, no. Was... The show just comes to a halt whenever we talk about the World <laughs> Championships. Louis, about that. We're back to St. Louis. Back to Thank St. Louis. Thank you, Dan. Thanks. The professional. Yeah. The prof- we really. Respect and love your professional. I'm reeling everyone in here. You are, you are, you are the producer, and I really so much appreciate. It. I wish I could pay you full time to do this all the time because we. Me need too. Um, okay, so <laughs> yes. Um. So tonight, let's let's move on. Let's move on to to uh, to the to Boudreaux. <laughs> Bruce Boudreaux had a wild week last week. He interviewed with a bunch of people. He had he played golf with Wayne Gretzky. Um, you know, actually, I did all those things too, and then he ends up signing a contract. This is where we differ. He signs a contract with the Minnesota Wild. Um, and this is a good move for the Wild, I think. This is a good fit for him. This is a good place for him to be. The Wild have been through coaches that are good, but they have – the Wild believe that they are one step away. Like, they believe they are close, and this is what this is what Boudreaux did. Now, we can debate whether or not they Yeah. No, no it's, fun, it's funny, yeah, because when, when uh, last week during – when uh, when you were not on the show, Russ and I were talking about the fits of the individual coaches for the teams. And yeah. I said that I thought that Boudreaux was a fit for Minnesota because of that perception that they're, you know, there's a veteran team. They're sort of yeah. locked in cap wise. They don't have, there's not a lot of wiggle room. They need that. that they're in cap game. hell. I know. No, they, they are in cap hell. They need a player friendly guy to come in and, and uh, change the, change the chemistry in that team. It's not going to work. It's not the fact that that team needs. That's a... totally unfair. How can I? Not gonna work? How can you say it's not going to work yet? I think the team needs to be constructed differently for it to work. Is right. that fair? And and and, and, I, and I you know I. Yeah, that's fair. fair. But I think Boudreaux does bring and, and well, you don't really know that either. Like the, he's not bringing Ryan Getzlaff with them, and they right. need a number one center. That's right. where their that's where their weaknesses show. Right. Maybe they'll win in the seventh. Maybe they'll win in a game seven because Getzlaff's not coming with them. You know, I mean, it's like there's a lot of things that are happening. Whoa. But Bruce Boudreaux wow. can't win in a game seven, so then that, that doesn't help. Yeah, him. but you know he's not on the ice. I mean, that's all I, I can say about it. At the end of the day, Boudreaux was brought in because he's a good guy. Everybody likes him, so he goes from job to job to job to job because he's Brucey. I think he there's more than job. that. He's a, it's it's a little more than that, but it's not a lot more than that mm. because he doesn't have a lot of success. He might make the playoffs, but he bows out pretty quick. And at the end of the day. He's going to get those guys behind him, and he'll get more mileage out of them than they got before. His team won. has won the Pacific Division four of the last six years. That's one of the toughest divisions oh, in the league. So you think it was him and not the team? Okay. No, but to sit there and say that he has not a lot of success, I mean, over the course of regular season, I think the coach is a little bit more important. I mean, and, and uh, here's, the, here's the problem with Minnesota. I'm, not and, saying, and, I'm just saying to say he's not has a lot of success is, is kind of crazy. He hasn't had a lot of success. He's, he's, won, he's lost twice in the seventh game to two Stanley Cup champions who were very good. He, then the other two seven games, yeah, I mean, you can say that, but really they're, they're so... Record in game seven. They're, it's horrible, and it's been horrible with Washington, too. And all that is true, but you really... That is so overblown in terms of you have to look at each individual year. I mean, it's not just they have the, the Washington game seven losses have nothing to do with the recent game seven losses. One and two is a statistic. One and seven is more than a trend. Yeah. It's, a, it's an indicator. I don't think so, because there's and different the fact, teams. It's like one in seven over the course of la- the the teams one in seven over the last eight games. Yeah, that's that's one thing because that's the same team. This is one in seven over the, over one in seven over the last twelve years. Whatever. Yeah, it is. How many coaches have lost game sevens at home four was it four times in a row, Russ? Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I talked to somebody. I, I remember Josh who used to work for us. Um, can't uh-huh. remember that Josh, you know Josh Brewster. Josh Brewster. Josh Brewster. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And, and, and he was he was with us for a while, and he's a great great guy, and I. You know, and I've I've I heard him talking on XM about this, and they, he said, and he he actually nailed it better than anybody had heard. He said, he's not being he shouldn't be fired for the game seven losses. He should be fired for the four straight game six losses. And I totally agree with that. That that is where. What's well, semantics? 
six. I mean, no, but it is. It isn't. It isn't because game six is that game seven is a, is a, is a coin toss. A uh, coin toss. But the game. <laughs> I just again like haven't had any sleep this weekend. Sorry. But here's so. but here's the thing. At the end of the day, I want to coach that has a better record than that in Game 7s, if I want a team who I've spent a lot of money on, like the Wild have, to get over the hump. Yeah. That's the problem. He's not no, a here's the problem. Here's the problem. This has nothing to do with Bruce Boudreau. Here's no. the problem in Minnesota. Miko Koivu, 6.7 a year. Thomas Vanek, 6.5 a year. Jason yeah. Pominville, 5.6 a year. There's your problem. Those no, are no bad doubt. contracts. No doubt. No, I... I that I and totally even agree. as much as I love Zach Parise, and as much as I love Zach Parise, seven point five a year is a, is, a, is a hard cap hit to swallow. If you okay. look at this team on paper, they should be scoring four goals a game, but they and don't, and I don't understand is, that. This is where I agree with you, Dan, because this is this is your is a brilliant point. Because here's the thing about those guys too, Vanek, 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 and those two players, um, and other players they have on their team too. They wanted to go there. And it's it's kind of what I talked about with the Rangers, you know, like do you why do you have to go over the top with players who want to go there? Like you Vanek, you could have gotten for a lot less. He wanted to play there. No, 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 no. Vanek took the short. He did take less. He took he took less there. He was offered more by the Islanders. Still though, I mean, he could have. Yeah, is and 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 then you know and and Parise and Suter, they wanted to go there. Now there is something about okay, you take the players in there and you give them the contracts. And honestly, though, if you remember the value on those guys when they were free agents was through the roof. You had to give them a lot of money. I um, mean, you have to accept this to a degree. They had a, they had a lot of runs with them, and they haven't had a chance to win yet. So you, it's easy it's easy to criticize them now. And of course, Parise has been hurt so much. But when Parise was injured, right. when healthy this year, he was really good. So well, there's a lot of things there too. So he just, he's not repeated what he's done in New Jersey in Minnesota, which is surprising. That's well, true. The one thing the one thing that Boudreaux could do or could try to do there. I mean, if you look at the at the Wild. You know, even going back to Jacques Lemaire, they've been essentially more, mostly a defensive team that's had trouble yeah. scoring. If he tries to get them to open up a little more offensively, they may have, you know, take advantage of guys like Coyle and Zucker. They have they have talent, but the problem is that's that fair. The, is the core group that Dan pointed out is over 30 years old, slowing down, and injury prone, and it's going to be tough for that team to get any further than they've gotten. Now, I have to say that, you know, Boudreaux in Minnesota was a better fit than in Ottawa because I think the the ownership in Ottawa, Ottawa would have spent the money on Boudreaux. And reportedly, Boudreaux got four years, 12 million bucks from Minnesota. Yeah. If, if, if Ottawa would have paid that much, they would have taken that money out from in terms of player contracts. All right, yeah, but let's talk about that. Results. This is Bruce Boudreaux's results since winning an ECHL championship. I go back to the ECHL. Lost in round two, lost in round one, lost in round one, lost in round one, lost in round one, lost in round one. Then he won an AHL championship. Then he lost in the finals, and that was also in the AHL. Lost in round one, lost in two, lost in round one, lost in round two, out of the playoffs. Then you talk about his great success. Lost in round one, lost in round two, lost in round three. That is not great success, Eck. It's not. It's not It's not great success. I, no, listen, it's hard to argue. I mean, obviously – this is a results-oriented business, right? So I get that, but at the same time, you have to looking at those individual teams. The the two before this this year's was kind of inexcusable, but it, in a way, this this was this was the worst of them. Maybe I'm no, actually, Detroit's was the worst. I take that back. This was this was Pekka Rene stealing a series, but the last two were just teams that were that no one no, that actually they played harder than anyone else played. So they they were actually you could argue the second best team in the league those two years when they beat when could took LA to seven games each of those they took LA and the Chicago to seven games. Those no one else took LA or Chicago to seven games if I remember right. So uh, how many how many great teams how many really good teams how many really good teams in the NBA didn't win a title because of Jordan those Jordan teams in the 90s. Right and that's I think those teams in the 80s. I think that's what X going with there. Yeah. Now I think I like I said if I'm a Wild fan, I'm not as concerned with who's coaching the team as the as how the roster is constructed and how it's handcuffed the organization because they can't make the moves they need to because they're up against the cap. Right. I mean, right. If you want to go with that, and I'll let you go with that premise. Yep. When the Knicks did have Pat Riley, a known winner, they got pretty close. They were in it and they almost won it. They didn't win it. Boudreaux's never even got to the Stanley Cup. Yeah, but he got it's to his seventh there. game of a conference final last year. I mean, against a team that won the Stanley Cup in what six? So. I'm just saying. It's just. I mean, I, I, it's a valid point, and, and it is a results-oriented business. And it was time for change. Like I said, I kind of compared it a lot to Barry Trotz in Nashville. It was good for Boudreaux to get out of there. There was just, it, for for whatever reason, the hockey gods were not into that relationship. 
that's how I see it. And you know, that's how it plays out because really it was a matter of bounces with him. Now yeah. he goes to Minnesota. Um, you know, I we need to get Dan Wallace, a writer from Blue Wild, on here because I know I've talked to him a lot this year, and he's like the Wild's biggest problem. He says is their is their defense. You know, and and he's that is and, it, and people don't talk about that as their problem. People always talk about their offense. But Dan, who I really trust, who watches them all the time, says honestly, when you watch them all the time, you realize that they have Dumba back there and they have Suter back there. But after that, they really have issues. Well, um, and they, they have to get they have to get Dumba signed. He's an RFA, right? And they, and they yeah. may have to trade Jonas Brodine to make room under the cap because they have literally Brodine and, and Scandella are expensive. Here's yeah, the problem: the biggest, the, the last thing I'll say about Boudreaux and, and Anaheim is this: I honestly think the biggest mistake he made was in the handling of his goaltenders, like and in the whole time he was there, and he, the inconsistency and the constantly having two goalies. Um, and sometimes, you know, they say, oh, it's great you have two goalies, but the other the other thing is when you have two goalies, you really have no goalies. You know, when you have two starting that's goalies. That's the stars. We, we go, right, that's we the go stars, back, right. We go back to his tenure in Washington. Same thing. I know, I know, I know. That's that's why I'm saying this is, this is exactly, Boudreaux, that is his, that is his biggest problem. Now here he's going to a team that has a legitimate one goalie system, right? This is a way of one goalie in Minnesota. Uh, um, he's not a legitimate one, but he's a one. Well, he's, he's yeah, good, he's, he's a good one. He's a solid one. I mean, at the, he, he had his he had his slow start this year, but in the end of the towards the end of the year, he was really good again. Just um, Bruce Boudreaux just joined joined the Darcy Kemper fan club. <laughs> yeah, let's hope that doesn't happen. That's what I, that's what I don't want to happen. Like to me, to me, Gibson has been kind of screwed up by this. Like, and I don't want to see I that agree. happen. Gibson's a great goalie. I I think you know, and Anderson's a great goalie too. But they should have made it made a call. They should have they should have. You need to define. Out. You need to define it. Yeah, you need to define it. Because then, if you define it too, you can move forward and you can trade one of those guys and get a get an asset that you definitely need. Because if you yeah. traded Anderson, you get something real good for him. If you I, traded Gibson, you get something really good for him. Like the Islanders did the right thing; they went out and they got a really legitimate backup in Grice, and mm -hmm. he who can step up and play. But he's a backup for the most part. And yeah, he stepped up and became the starter. But next year, it'll be back to Halak and Grice and who plays. That's that's not going to be like I don't think, in my opinion. Do you think, Dan, that Grice is taking this over and ne next year is this anointed? starter? It's going to be interesting to see what they want. I think basically what it comes down to is what do they want to do with Berube. They saw some flashes of him. Is yeah. he a is he projected to be an NHL goalie? Because um, obviously you don't want to lose a 24-year-old for nothing. Right. Um, so I think that's that's the question. What are you going to do with him? You can't keep three goalies in the roster again. Um, if you included Halak in a deal with Hamannick, maybe do you get something even better? I don't know. But if you're asking me, I would opening day it should be Halak and Grice again. Well, yeah. well, let's just, let's, just touch, touch, let's just touch on the on the senators. Uh, yeah, I want to go to Guy Boucher, and yeah, because this one, one this one is even more interesting to me. But go ahead, Russ. You have something else? Devin Dubnik, an 8.96 save percentage career in the playoffs. That ain't great. It's not good. Nah, it's not yeah. good. No, that's true. That's true. I mean, I, I this, these these are all true, but I think that I think that at the end of the day. I, I'm real. I think that the I understand why the Wild did this. I follow that. You know, I, the team I, can, I, I can see it. They've had. They've tried the other. They've, they've tried the other way, and now they want to go with a coach who they can basically say, okay, the coach is not the issue now. We're going to have to take it forward. It kind of puts the players under stress. And then, granted, he's going to get to another game seven with Minnesota. There's going to be all the same people are going to talk about again. But you and, know, and I then, think and the excuses ready made when he faces Chicago or St. Louis, which well, is yeah, a team I mean, that's if you, better. If you than, lose to yeah, a Stanley yeah, Cup winner in Game Seven, that's not a bad season. I mean, that's how I see it. Eventually, you have this team has to, to make the playoffs. This team has to make the playoffs. They barely got in the last two years. I think it was interesting his comment that he made. He says, "I really, I'm, I'm really happy to be in a in a place so um, hockey crazy here in Minnesota." Like that was an interesting shot at Anaheim. Um, not necessarily fair because I know a lot of Anaheim that's not fans. fair. I know a lot of yeah. I mean, I, I think a little bit of that is that's just sour grapes walking out the door. I mean, I have at a lot the of same time, that. Bruce, be careful what you're asking for because there there's going to be a bigger microscope that he's going to be under in Minnesota. Oh yeah, yep. yeah, there definitely is. So. Um, Guy Boucher, I love this. This is I love where both these play, coaches ended up too. Like if they ended up on the opposite teams, I would have issues with it. But Guy Boucher in Ottawa is the absolute perfect fit in my mind. He and, he was in there, and, and Mark Crawford was announced yeah. as assistant today, right? So, or and that's another. I mean, another. So we're looking at a serious. I mean, this is a serious hiring by hiring by the Sens. And here's the thing about Guy Boucher that I really think is going to be fascinating. I mentioned this before, but. Hearing him interviewed a couple times since you know since he's been over there, over in uh, coaching for Bern, which means bear in Switzerland, um, that is because I've been to that stadium. It's really cool. He has learned a lot in 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 Europe, and he left he left here with a whole like one three one 
system that everybody is all defensive oriented and, and remember how crazy it was in Tampa. Sometimes they would just like, they would sit back and remember the one Flyers game that was kind of legendary where the Flyers yes. just, where no yes, one yes. moved around for like two and a half minutes. Yes. No one skated anywhere. It was like, you know, all that you'd hate about soccer. But this was this, this whole thing. He, when I heard him interviewed, he was talking about how he loved coaching in Europe because there were some teams over there that were trying all kinds of experimental offenses and really cool things and really cool run and gun type things. And that he was he was he had really gotten into that and loved this concept of run and gun hockey. And when I look at the Penguins, where the Penguins are now, and we talk about them being a copycat league, and I look at the talent that the Senators have, I just think that this could really be interesting. I think this yep. could be a really exciting team moving forward. And but, I really but, I'm, I'm I'm psyched I'm psyched to see it. But ironically. What the Sens need is the Guy Boucher who coached the one-three-one because defensively they're hideous. No, but they're so no. But here's right? here's the X point. Here's X point. Yeah, there is there there is some firepower up front with Ottawa. Um, yeah. They can wait, wait 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 they they can get a little more balance in their bottom six. Yep. They definitely need a goalie. They have to get a clear number one. They can carry a team because if they could surround their defensemen and say, you know what, we don't have any stay-at-home defensemen. Let's get some more puck movers. Let's get some more guys, and let's just completely attack because you can have a crappy defense if you have a really good goalie and you always have the puck. Yes. Yeah, I think they're going to try and mimic Pittsburgh. I do. I think, and I think that could work. He's good. a good fit there. I think Crawford's a good fit because Crawford and Boucher are both really good with the power play. Ottawa's power play could have been better, a lot yeah. better. So I think they're looking for that. A guy like Patrick Weirkoch is a guy that almost got traded but right. really could be utilized more for his offense if they wanted to. I like Weirkoch a lot, actually. Yeah, and, but and So maybe they'll turn that around. Mike Hoffman played for Boucher. Right. So this is good. I like coaches getting another chance rather than recycling a coach that never is out. This is, and I think Boucher has learned something. I do. But the, the funny thing is, I mean, in terms of mobility on defense, you do, you do have Carlson, who's probably the best skating defenseman in the league, Cody Cece. Uh, and Wirkosh is a good offensive defenseman. You also have Dion Phaneuf, who we could see from his lack of a lack of mobility in Toronto and his decreasing mobility that he, you know, he's going to be a bit of a hindrance. And Mark Mathot isn't exactly fleet of foot either. So, there, I mean, the, the thing is that with Eugene Melnick as the owner there, you are, do not have, you know, you are not going to be a cap team. So you're going to have to manage manage that team a lot better and get a lot more out of players for, for a more reasonable budget. I think Boucher can do that, but I don't think he can be Mr. Experimental offensively. I think he's got to develop a a, a core concept defensively. No, you don't anymore. Have any he's trapping. Now, Carlson, you got Carlson. You're not trapping. You're just not. No, to me, to me, to me, this is you take a chance and you just you try to be because you can't you can't compete. With some other, with some teams defensively, you just can't. I mean, and there's no way they they're going to be able to score goals. Yeah, there's no way they're going to be able to. And they're in the perfect division for this. Like they're in the division where Florida's sort of heading this way, Tampa's heading this way. I think Toronto is still kind of defensive-minded, but they they are also heading that way. Montreal, is, especially when they get Patrick Line too. Right, and Line is going to add a lot to the Maple Leafs um, on and off the ice. So I think that. You know the way this is heading, and looking what Pittsburgh does did now, I, I really want to get the get the interview sometime and play it for you guys. Part of it because I was really impressed the interview on XM. They I hope they replay it because I I talked to Guy Boucher before he was here, right? And he was a hard person to talk to. He was also very. I mean, he has, obviously has some of the best stares in all of hockey. Like he can, he's the death stare. You know, he can stare down a ref like no one's business. But he, he also, looks like a Bond villain. He does. He looks so much like a Bond villain. That's that's, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, he um. But he also really is he's super intense, and when you talk to him, he's got that real big intensity to him. And before, he was very um, careful with his words, and going over to Europe, I think, just got him, it helped him loosen up, helped him realize like some perspective on, on us all, that you know it's just hockey. And, that he, and he really now, he sounds like the innovator that everybody kind of thought he would be when he came in. Um, uh -huh. That was his thing, right, Russ? When he came in, he was going to yeah, be was like was. an innovative here's, coach. Here's an interesting thing about his burn team roster-wise. So his leading scorer is Corey Conagher. I mean, he might get another shot. He might. Right. Um, hey, hey, remember, it was last season. Last season, Corey Conagher started the opening night roster on the first line with John Tavares. Yes. Isn't that crazy? His I know. Then he went on. Or is Derek Roy. He might get another shot. Right. Right. But there's a 26-year-old, Simon Moser, who's 6'2", 216, yeah. at 33 points, and then was eight points in the playoffs. I, I got to tell you, he might get a look because he's got size. He'll bring he over does. a few guys. I'm pretty sure of it. Well, I think he will too. He's a very loyal type character, and he's he's very. I mean, he's he really he doesn't care. He'll try interesting things. Yeah, but to that point, Russ, 
Binghamton was one of the worst teams in the American Hockey League this year. They have some young prospects, but nobody who really – I mean, Tobias Lindbergh, who was included in the FNUF deal, was one of their better prospects down in the AHL. No, no, they, but Matt Pumple's got a ton of offensive ability. I, I, he can get his shot. Right, I agree. And then they have Colin White, who is, go, is going back going back for another year of college, which was a good decision. Yeah. But I'm saying the guys who are top echelon in their organization are a year or two away from being able to help them. So you could see stop gaps that he brings from the from the Swiss League to help them yeah. this year. Yeah, and I, that's what I'm looking forward to. I really want to see that. Um, that's all the time we have, I think, for today. Anything else, guys? You got anything else? You have? Nope. Oh, oh, one more thing I got to throw out there. This is just crazy, and this, this really isn't a long discussion. I cannot understand how the I tweeted this out how these how these hockey players over in over in Europe are able to deal with the music that's being played during these games I mean it is off the charts loud and cheesy and it's like the, they're always saying well, the, the crowd's sitting on its hands well part of that is you don't give the freaking crowd a chance to breathe like the game I, I'm a big fan of the old Oregon where fans could talk to each other about what happened in the play after when there was a stoppage get a second you know and then like what Nashville does where they have nothing in the in the middle of the third period and people go crazy they like literally the puck is frozen and it's like bah, 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 bah. it's just and it's so loud and it's just awful. Like some of them are well, just screaming sections. They have true sections where people are jumping up and down, holding signs, waving oh, yeah. and screaming and whistling and everything. I mean, well, in St. Petersburg, I, you don't go to St. Petersburg to hear Ariana Grande, you know, like at like at like mega volumes. It's just the it, the insanity over there is. Well, apparently, apparently the the uh, team Canada played the Hungarians and. The, there was a lot of commentary on social media after that the Hungarian fans were acting wild throughout the game. So I mean, maybe maybe they, they were just you know not they weren't distracted by the house music that was being pumped, oh, having God. their own little party. So maybe there's an exception to the rule. I, I, honestly, I've watched two games of the World Championships, and that's two more than I thought I was going to. Wow, that yeah, that's something. Um, we're gonna be doing this thing coming up too, and I want I want your we want your opinion on it. We're gonna be doing this thing. I I was talking to the guys about it on the show the other day after we after we logged off the air with you guys. Um, there's a podcast I love called Stuff the Stuff You Should Know, and it's a really cool podcast. podcast. Yeah, you listen to it. Did you just listen to? Did yep, you hear the, that and uh, things you missed in history class. It's yep, the same I organization. I love that podcast. The stuff you should know LSD podcast. Just stuff you should know about LSD that was just on was just unbelievable. Um, but things they missed in history class, which is nothing for me since I have a master's in it. Still no, they get to some pretty obscure things. <laughs> no, they do. They're really good at it. Really, really cool. Um, yeah, there's like I said, the um, the Lewis and Clark one from last year was off the charts awesome, and this um this LSD one was just I never knew half the stuff that, about LSD, and then you know what, uh, there was one about the, how the Germans landed in Long Island during World War II. It was yeah. actually uh, this this really happened. I know like they, 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 they Montauk, and they actually got onto they actually got their way almost. They were trying to get to New York City, and some of them got to DC. It's very was very they, you never heard about that traffic on the yeah. Sagathos when they did that. Uh, they, they, the reason why I failed is because they got stuck in the southern state. So, so yeah, so what I wanted to do at the end of the show, at the end of some of our shows now, since we don't have the exciting and all-encompassing NHL draft simulator, um, is do a stuff you should know about obscure things in hockey or certain players. So if you have if you have something you'd like to learn more about, like the, you know, the puck sizes, how the puck's made, there's a great how it's made on pucks, by the way, if that's another great show, how it's made. But um, there's a lot of cool things. Or just to get into depth a little bit about a player, I wanted to do one today quickly um, on Austin Matthews. Just something that I, I did a little research on some some kind of obscure facts on Austin Matthews because we talked about him a little bit. The presumptive second pick in the draft. For, yeah, yeah, the guy who um, FB, you know, before hopefully, being hopefully. before being passed over by the Maple Leafs, this is what's happened in his life. Um, <laughs> he was born in San Francisco, actually, which I didn't realize. Um, and his mother is Mexican, like actually from Mexico. Um, which I thought was kind of cool. He was only two months old though when he moved to when he moved in moved to Arizona. So he you know wasn't didn't spend a lot of time at Hayden Isbury there in San Francisco. But he was only two months old. He moved there, and um, growing up, of course, was a Coyotes fan. His two favorite players, you know, who they, they would be. Any guess as a Coyotes Danny fan? Of that? I just one interviewed him, and I don't remember if I asked him. Shane Doan. Yeah. Unplug unplug your USB thing, Danny, and it happens. That's so weird. Every time, like at the one hour point or something like that, it happens. Um, Shane Doan and Danny Briere. Very good. Um, when his sixth birthday was when he first wanted to play. Said said he had a desire to play hockey. He wanted to play hockey, and um, but when he was younger, he also played baseball. And his father um, says that baseball was his best sport. Wow. <laughs> you know, for what it's worth. 
Um, he was drafted 57th overall into the WHL by the Everett Silvertips, um, but opted to play instead in the USNTVDP. NTDP, just say that. NTDP Juniors. That's a horrible abbreviation. Which is, yeah, which otherwise known as the USHL. Yeah. <laughs> right, it's also the US, US, also known as the USHL, correct? Pretty much. Well, it's not really because no, they, different. they venture out. It's a team in the USHL. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a development team that travels pretty much. They're a traveling team, yeah. So that that team, um, so that, I guess he was, I think he was 16 when he was drafted, or 15 when he was drafted into that. Um, the season he played for, uh, that season he played for the U.S. National U17 team, though, um, yeah. where he did first gain his national attention. In his second season with the U.S. National 8, U18 team, Matthews finished first in the league with scoring with 116 points. Um, mm -hmm. And um, breaking, he broke the national team development program record, which was before 116, was 102 points, um, Who and who Who do you think that record was? Who held that record for the National Team Development Program? Mm, Zach Parise. Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane, very good. And um, and also was 29 points better than Jack Eichel the year before. So we talked about, you know, the, how where he would have been drafted, you know, in that whole thing. He actually was... That, Sounds like somebody the Leafs are going to regret skipping over. Yes. yes. Um... Of course, he so Matthews trained with the USA National Team Development during the 2013, 14, and 14, 15 seasons. Um, was named the 2015 Most Valuable Player at the World U18 Championships. Um, of course, in addition to being named the IIHF All Star Team and named the IIHF Best Forward after finishing as the tournament's top scorer. This is in the U18 tournaments. Um, and of course, instead of instead of and rather than continuing U.S. hockey or playing the Canadian Junior Leagues, he went professional and, as we know, last year played. In the Swiss League, which means that you know, obviously our buddy who also coached in the Swiss League we just talked about saw him saw him plenty. And Mark um, Crawford coached him. Right, his yeah. Swiss his Swiss League team was the best team in the league um, during the regular season, the the ZSC Lions, but they were swept in the first round in a really kind of a crazy thing. Um, and his um, line mate, I just I lost this. I I found this, but it, it was an, a former NHLer in Switzerland who um, he credits for a lot. And gosh, I can't remember what it was. But Robert Nielsen. Who was it? Robert, Robert Nielsen. Oh Robert God. Nielsen. Thank you. Oh thank my you, thank God. You, thank you. Also known as the player, the uh, the player drafted before Zach Parisi. Right, right, right. There you By go. The New York Islanders. Um, he can speak some Spanish, um, because obviously his mom Muy was mom. From, Mex from Mexico. Bueno. Um, no bueno. His favorite <laughs> players in the NHL right now, he says, are Jonathan Taves and Anze Kopitar. Yeah. Credits that because of that they they play an all around both offensive and defensive game. Two hundred foot game. Right. That's the new, new cliche. Yes, a two hundred foot player, even though he's only six foot something. Um, yeah. So there you have it. There's a little stuff you should know about Austin Matthews for today. He's a really good golfer. You left that out. Oh, really good golfer. Okay. Yeah. I, well, I, I'm, um, and but yes, he's grown up there. The other thing, because you mentioned the NTVP thing, yeah. Clayton Keller in this year's draft. Broke all the records for career NTVP really? points. Yes. Wow. So where is he expected to go in this draft? I have May right now. Okay. Oh wow. There you, there you go. So that's right around the point at which who drafts around eighth? Is it's like uh, Coyotes? Yeah, right around the Coyotes time. Yeah. yeah. Um. So there you have it. And he's also a very mature kid, as you know, Russ, from talking to him. Um, yep. He's got his life together. He's very, very close with his mother, um, who I believe lived with him all year. In Switzerland, which is a smart move, and smart um, move, very smart yeah, move, which is really smart, you know. And sometimes players, you know, younger players are just sent on their own, and I always think it's a good idea. I mean, the one thing the Flyers always did, which was very funny, is the French Canadian parents especially want their kids to be with somebody. They don't want them out to be out on their own, and uh, so both when Claude Giroux and Sean Couturier, who's not French Canadian, obviously, but just a Canadian, but when I remember with Giroux specifically. Um, they set them both up with Danny Briere. He lived with Danny Briere, and um, that was always fascinating to see. It was. So, to me, I think that's uh, pretty good stuff. So, um, yeah, so that's all for today. We'll be back again tomorrow with more, and we've got two great games tonight. Enjoy those games. I don't know if we're going to see Game 7s. So I sure hope so. I'm one of those guys who just roots for Game 7s. <laughs> so remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. We will talk to you soon. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.